0: And welcome to episode 24 of Talking With Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger and my guest today is Lewis Miller. Lewis is one of Australia's greatest living portrait artists. He won Australia's Best Known Portrait Award, the Archibald Prize, in 1998, and he's been a finalist in that prize 17 times. He's won and been finalist in many other art awards, and his works are held in numerous public and private art collections, both here and overseas. He's had 30 solo shows across Australia and New Zealand, and his work has been included in over 90 group shows. Painting from life, he's captured the likeness of countless sitters, including High Court Justices a Nobel laureate, the first man to climb Mount Everest, as well as many artists and friends. But apart from his portraits and nudes, he also paints exquisite still lifes which sparkle and glow from the canvas. You can see images of those works on talkingwithpainters.com as well as other paintings we talk about in our conversation. I started by asking Lewis where he grew up in Melbourne and what memories he had of art as a child.
1: The first place I lived was in Station Street in Malvern and then my parents and my older brother Paul and my much older brother Terry moved to Commission Flats in Richmond, which are three-storey Commission Flats. And then as the family got bigger, we moved out to the suburbs in Chadston, another as in commission house, until I was about uh, 19 and I moved out of home.
0: Mm. And and what have you got any early memories of... Being exposed to art or...? Well,
1: my father was a painter, but he was uh, predominantly a a teacher or educator, I suppose, and he used to work in in technical schools. I think he'd always wanted to do do art and painting, but he was exactly the right age to join... um, ..he joined the Air Force at the start of the war, and um, so he would have been about 19 and spent the whole war. uh, uh, You know, he, he was in New Guinea and Borneo but he also was in Darwin during the Japanese bombing. And he told me that he used to, funnily enough, he used to teach uh, soldiers how to ride horses on St Kilda Beach, which is where we are now. Really? Um, But he came from West, well, he was born in Sheffield in England, but came out to Australia with his father and mother in about 1925 uh, because they were seeking a a better life, much to the horror of my grandmother (laughs) who was stuck in this Horrendous bush in the southwest of Western Australia. Mm. Then, after the war, he he wanted to. He was doing some sketches and things during the you know, when he was away. But he applied to the Gallery School, and they had this rehabilitation scheme for servicemen and women, I guess. Mm. So he didn't have to pay to go to art school, and so he did that under um, William Dargie oh, uh,
0: wow. and, and
1: others uh, who were probably younger than him at the time. I imagine Dougie wouldn't be much much older or younger
0: right. um, so yeah. so when he was at home would he be painting you yeah when he had spare painting? time he would yeah,
1: but because he was teaching full time at oh, tech schools right he 'd be worn out when he came home mm. uh, but uh yeah he would he had it when we moved to Chadston in the, in the suburbs, the eastern suburbs uh, it was uh, there was a big backyard, and I figured he thought he would build a studio there, which he did and mm-hmm. um
0: and did you spend much time in the Yeah, a,
1: a lot of time with him, yeah. I, my brother and I helped pave it with old bricks that we found around the area and um, I, w- I would spend time with him there. Did I, he
0: show you any, how to paint?
1: or He, he, did, he did just before I, when I got into the school, which was still called the Gallery School then, slash VCA, because mm. the, the VCA was only about seven years old by the time I went there.
0: And that's the Victorian
1: College of, of the, Arts? Yeah, so, yeah. And it, but it was, still, we, it was still referred to as the Gallery School. Oh, okay. And had this, you know, it was incredibly elite, because it was at the back of the gallery. It was actually in the grounds of the gallery, oh. and so it was—you know, felt very posh and you know, special to go there. We really did, you know. It was like it was, the, you know, when you get your letter, it was like the Billy Elliot letter, you know. <laughs> it really was like that.
0: And so, what was that like? What was that
1: kind um, oh, of educational? It, like? it was great because I thought, well, I really, really want to go to the gallery school because my dad went there, and it, and it was so elitist in and um, sort of special sounding. Mm. And it was a very few amount of students. They took about eight into painting each year. Really? About three into sculpture and about four into printmaking. But what happened is, because I've got this brother Terry from my father's first marriage. He was born during the war. And um, one of his friends was a young tutor at the VCA. Mm, Yeah. And um, that person's name is Alan Mittelman, Uh a a person I painted for the Archibald. But when I first met Alan, I'd heard of him. I went in for my interview, and I was extremely nervous, of course. And uh, and there's Alan Mittelman. He said, oh, are you Terry Miller's brother? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, he gave me a bottle of scotch to get you into the school. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was pretty disarming. But that was just a a, a, a wise crack, you know. Yeah, but, sure. I, but I did get in. Yeah, and, uh... yeah.
0: And so what was the... um. Tuition, like I mean, what was there a classical no, training it, it, at
1: all? The the school, as far as I can looking back on it now, was based on the model of um, the New York Studio School at the time, which was um, sort of a free, open open studio, and you'd you'd get you'd given you're given a a part of the studio to work with. It wasn't necessarily a room by yourself, and you were expected to get to work. And the tuition was uh, there was a re- they'd, they'd reintroduced. The year I came in they reintroduced introduced life drawing or figure drawing and general drawing um, and it was very, they were very strong on that because that had been it had lapsed under the previous regime
0: mm. um,
1: but apart from that if you wanted it wasn't it wasn't like uh, in RMIT they would have set up still life and was much more academic um, so I was sort of a, was a little bit lost a bit because of that, but, uh, I, I, but I was happy, I was really happy. Right. It was great, you know, it was really good.
0: And who were you sort of influenced by in those days? As in artists? Oh,
1: I was just trying to, to learn, teach myself how to paint, in oil paint, so I was trying to do Suzanne type still lifes.
0: Mm.
1: But I knew about, see I didn't realise at the time because I had this sort of bohemian background, even though I didn't think it was. So I knew about people like Suzanne and Matisse and, and and I even my my the first book I stole from the the high school library was on Rodin, and because uh, I really liked Rodin, yeah. I don't, I don't think, but uh, I knew about the great painters, I guess. From and like I knew about Rembrandt, and I knew about Cezanne and Matisse, and
0: but that wasn't through your education, really. No, no, no. That was just through sort of going to the library, or through your dad. Through my dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Yeah.
1: So I um, but when we had the orientation day at the vca um one of the an older student came up to me and was saying you know have you seen the new whiteley show and i said well, who's Whiteley? i don't even know who <laughs> fucking whiteley was." Whiteley uh, but uh i didn't know uh yeah but i remember and i remember speaking to one of the the sculpture students saying oh and i say oh i suppose you must like rodan oh no god no i thought oh why not you know? <laughs> why not and so I think I, well, think sort I, of I think I was right.
0: Yeah, yeah, looking back, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so when in your last year mm. um, at the VCA, you were awarded the um, Hugh Ramsey Portrait Prize. Yes. That must have been a boost for your confidence, was well,
1: it? Well, I remember telling my dad that I'd won the Hugh Ramsey, and he said, oh, my son won the Hugh Ramsey, because it, it was going when he was at the gallery school. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, Dad, I think I was the only one doing portraits. And I think when I won it, was one of those prizes that was kicking around in the bottom drawer. I thought, we'd better give it to someone. And that was the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, was the, that was the first time I'd won anything at the school and I'd been there for five years.
0: And so after that, mm. so a few years later, I think it was in 1986, you had your first solo show. Yeah, yeah. How did that come about?
1: Well, um, John Walker and others, uh, there was this young girl called Louise Neary who had just come out of university and she was really bright and they got this building in Gertrude Street in Fitzroy, and it was like this artist collective thing. And Louise, as this young director, she was probably about 20, 21, was looking to start off doing shows, and uh, she started showing young painters.
0: And how did that feel, that first show?
1: Uh, It was a bit of a relief, I guess, to get, you know, the the old thing to get something up, to put something out there, Um, because I was also teaching at the school Uh, part-time, and I figured I better, you know, I better have a show, (laughs) (laughs) because when you haven't had a show or anything like that, you really sort of, you really want to get something up um, to get started.
0: Yeah, sure. Mm. And so, let's fast forward to 1998, Mm -hmm. which was, of course, the year you won the Mm. Archibald Prize, and I'll just mention now that you've been finalist in the Archibald 17 times, which is uh, amazing. Thank you. And, um... You won in 1998 with a portrait of Alan Mittelman, who Mm -hmm. you mentioned, and um, I've actually spoken to a few of my previous guests who were Archibald winners. Luckily enough, I've interviewed a few Archibald winners, and it seems to be be a pretty intense experience.
1: Yes, yes.
0: What's your memory of it?
1: Well, um, it was very intense for me the day before the announcement, because I'd gone up by myself on the train to Sydney, and... um, I hadn't seen my picture framed, it had been gone from the framers, and they had this lunch the day before the announcement, they still do that, um, with the guides. They ask questions about why you painted so-and-so, who you are, if it's your first time. And then during the lunch, you're allowed to go down while they were hanging the archibald. And last year when I went, it was already hung, and the lunch was actually in the gallery, but that was new. But when I went down and I saw my painting, I thought, oh, shit, I think I'm, I'm going to win. Oh, no. I really had this strong, strong feeling because uh... um, it looked really big for a start. It looked, it, it looked sort of quite captivating or something. But I thought, oh, no, don't think that. Don't think that.
0: Why well, don't think it?
1: Because you don't because want to get your it, hopes up? So? that I knew they hadn't judged it yet. I, I, you know. So I, to, I was kept on talking to that little voice in my head saying, don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. But I couldn't, I could, the, the other voice was saying, yeah, you're going to win. So
0: that day, so was it the next day after yeah, you had seen it mm. that, that, that it was announced? Yeah,
1: I was staying at a friend's place in Paddington, and it was quite hot. And uh, I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt and thongs, I think. And I went, so I got the taxi, I don't know why I got a taxi, but I got a taxi to Ray Hughes Gallery in Surrey Hills. And I walked in and Leah Haynes, who was uh, Ray's assistant, said, oh, you can't go to the press launch like that with shorts on. I said, oh, but look, I've just got a taxi for all, the way from, all the way from Paddington for $7 or something. She said, look, just go back and iron your shirt and come back and then we'll, we'll go after the thing together. And so I thought, oh, I should, why'd, she ta- why'd she say that? Why'd she say that? And so I went back, ironed my shirt, put on my jeans, and I walked in and Ray said, you won. And uh, I said, oh, I've got to bring my mum. And so is it all right if I bring my mum? Yeah, bring your mum. So I rang up and Dad answered. He said, oh, I won, Dad. He said, I'll get your mother,
0: <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> which is
1: very really sweet. And Mum said, are you sure, darling? Are you sure? And I said, yes, Mum, this time I'm sure, you know. Oh. Because she, she, there was a time when there was a, a room and I hadn't won. So she really wanted to know. But I said, mm-hmm. no, Mum, really, I have won this, this time. They rang up Ray. Oh, and, I- and I also said and I, said, and I spoke to Alan, and he's on the way now to Sydney, so they must have called him as well.
0: So why did you think of ringing your mum as the first person?
1: Was it my mum. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, because I, I know how much, how, how interested and keen she was in it. And see, my father had enter, entered the Archibald in 1967, which is 50 years ago, uh, and my brother and I had, had to get out of our bedroom so that Dad could have a studio to do this painting, to do uh-huh. this portrait, and he got in, but he never entered it again. But that was the seed was planted in my head 50 years ago when we had to get out of our room.
0: Oh, and, right.
1: And I, I remembered that, and so I must have been there. But I'm just mm. surprised that I didn't enter earlier, why well, I wasn't entering when I was in my early 20s.
0: Yeah.
1: I think, in a way, it was seen to be a Sydney exhibition, it was seen to be a little bit exclusive, and um, I didn't realise that you should just have a go.
0: Yeah. So the, the the winning painting, the painting you won with in 1998, mm. was, was large. Yeah. It was over two metres high. It's
1: about that big, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but, and it was just the face, wasn't it? So yeah. it was a very large portrait. It was yep. a great yep. portrait. <clears throat> um, but I must say, one of my favourite <clears throat> Um, finalist paintings of yours that mm. were shortlisted in the mm. algebra, was your, one of the smaller ones yeah. called this a small self portrait. It was seventeen by twelve centimeters. Yeah, about
1: that, that big. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was great, and it was uh, oil on copper. Mm-hmm. Um, do you paint a lot on copper? Uh,
1: I, I did until I ran out of, of copper. Oh right. <laughs> so what I, what I would do is um, I I used to do a lot of etching, and the byproduct of uh, copper etching is copper. Because once an it, addition is sort of finished or cancelled, you would technically, um, sort of the unwritten law is to, to ground the copper plate again and then score a line across through it and etch a line so it's finished, it's, it's cancelled plate. Oh,
0: yeah. And then
1: you would discard the copper, but it's a really nice surface to work on.
0: So would you work on the other side? Of it no, no, side? no. Just, oh, on that yeah, side? Yeah,
1: and you don't really even have to prepare it. You oh, just work straight. Well, I, well, I liked it to be polished. Yeah. so and then when the painting, painting is finished to um, to varnish it so that you keep the lustrous metal um, lustrous, because what happens if you if there is exposed copper and it's not varnished, it will oxidize and go brown like a penny. Yeah. Um, so there's a girl last year, Natasha Walsh, it's good for me to remember, she did a really really lovely painting, a self portrait in the Archibald and was on copper. About the same size as mine, uh, right. with a lot of copper plate exposed as well.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful effect, mm. I think. Yeah,
1: and people have been working on copper plates for, for c- centuries. Mm. Centuries. It's well, I
0: suppose it's very smooth as well. Beautifully
1: smooth, and um, uh, you know it's, it'll last. It'll mm. you know? mm. last longer than the canvas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, another interesting approach you have with self-portraits mm. is these... Uh, portraits, self-portraits, made up of panels, and we're actually sitting yes. right in front of one yeah. as we speak. That one's like that's twenty panels. Twenty panels, yeah. And I've seen one with fifty-four panels. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I probably because I painted it when I was fifty-five, which was a couple of years ago, and I thought I'd just do one more. No, no I didn't bother. Um, so it, it just happened to be about <laughs> one one panel per year of my age. But at this, they both these pictures started off as single panelled um self-portraits that grew um
0: oh so yeah so would you have started so the one we're looking at now yeah. so the face
1: the, major, the eyes
0: nose and, and mouth yeah. are within one panel yeah that and was yeah, yeah that was
1: the first panel and i thought oh well i needed to spread my uh, to elbow my way out a bit and i thought well i can go either side uh, so the left hand side the right hand side of the face and then i went down so there was the six panels and then i thought well I like the way this is happening and I want to see how it's going to go, how it's, how it's going to, to proceed. But the other thing about those multi-panel things is mm-hmm. it's, it's flex, it makes scale flexible. Um, it means you don't have to be governed by the scale of the canvas that you work on. You can,
0: yeah. you can stretch out. Yeah.
1: And you can keep on making it as big as you, as you need to or as big as you can get out the door. Yeah. And even so, a bit like immense um, Tiller's, you can just put it in a box and carry it around. But with his, it would be even more manageable because they're on little boards. They're on panels. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: And, um, well, I think Lucien Freud would do that yeah, too. Yeah, he
1: would. he, um, would, he Yeah, would, that
0: portrait of the Queen he added a bit because he couldn't fit the crown in.
1: I like that painting. It was good. Well, <laughs> <I don't think laughs> that green
0: was... chin is not so great. Well,
1: it's the blue coming up from her, um, from her dress. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I he, don't know. I'm
0: quite warm to that painting. Well, he was
1: never a flatterer, and he wasn't going to start flattering with the Queen. That he would never be able to let that one down.
0: Would he? <laughs> well, actually, you've talked about flattering sitters. Yeah. 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 And you said that um, in in that there was actually a video made when you were, did that um, portrait of Bernard Teague. Oh last yeah, year. yeah.
1: I was saying something about it being the, the deadliest thing.
0: That's right. Yeah. It'd be deadly if you flattered. Yeah.
1: It wouldn't. <laughs> it would be great for your career, but deadly. Your reputation if you were known as the, the, the ultimate flatterer.
0: Well, it'd be almost impossible to flatter somebody anyway because what, what does flattering mean? I mean, does it mean taking the wrinkles away? What does it mean? I well,
1: mean. Yeah, I think that that goes on sometimes. <laughs> Do you think so? Yeah, I think it does, yeah. I mean, there, there are a number of painters who are extremely flattering and believe me, they get a lot of work. But um, I think they become popular because they are flatterers. I'm not mentioning, not naming any how names. Do you,
0: how do you think they flatter their subjects?
1: Though? Oh, well, some of them are quite skillful, and they sort of, uh, they turn a blind eye, let's say. <laughs> 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 I was doing this painting of Kim Santo, who's dead now in Sydney, and um, I was doing it in their house in, in Wallara and his wife and her, his, his wife's sister and brother-in-law were there And as I was painting it, the sister was saying, oh, you're not going to paint that mole on his neck, are you? I said, what mole? She said, oh, this one here. I said, well, I I think I might. (laughs) She said, oh, you could just get rid rid of it, couldn't you? you could just get rid of it. He says, what? I said, I I suppose I could, but you know what? I'm not going to. And then I said, and I don't know if you've noticed, but since you've been talking about it, I've been putting a lot of attention to it. (laughs) That's
0: right. (laughs) It's going to be a feature. (laughs)
1: Yes, well, exactly that. So I went the other way. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yeah. it's a bit like those school photos. Did you hear about those, you know, photographers that would Photoshop oh, no, out photos. things on kids' faces? Oh, no. I mean, how That's appalling.
1: outrageous. Put it this way, I'd, I'd much rather be the sort of the warts and all rather than the ultimate flatterer.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you've, um, you've been commissioned many times mm. to paint many people, mm. um, including, you know, recently the... Uh, former High Court Justice Chief Justice Robert French. Yes, that's right. Um, and um, Sir Edmund Hillary some time yes. ago. yep.
1: that must be about ten years ago or more. Yeah.
0: Right. What was that like?
1: Well, that was daunting, um, and it wasn't the easiest thing to do. I did. I went to New Zealand, and um, I was to paint him in his lounge room in his house in a, a suburb of Auckland called Remuera, which is sort of like the Turak of of Auckland. I was a, I was given two hours with him per per day, from eight a.m. and no longer for a week. So I had to sort of const- I was I had to paint sitting down and propping the uh, canvas next to a chair, uh, and he was very still. But he was he was in the painting. He, he was actually watching um, the America's Cup on TV. I did talk to him. Um, and he did, he did I, I did broach the, the question of um, when he reached the summit with Ten Sing. Oh, yeah. And he did that? say to me, I was first.
0: Did
1: yeah, he? He did. He said, it was, he said it, I was first. Cause, and he did say to me, and, and I'd read that, when you get to, well, I haven't been to I'm not going to Everest. When you get to the top, it's actually quite pointy. Yeah. It is actually like a cartoon point. Um, so... It, um, Really, only one person can stand up the top there. Yeah, um, and right. And he was—he was a lovely man, and his and Lady Hillary was very, very nice to me and drove me around. Mm. Um, but did, I, you, yeah. did you?
0: Did um, you? Do you find with your sitters that you have to keep a bit of a chatter oh, yeah, a Conversation going.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, and then you have to be able to tell them to be quiet as well—not to be quiet, but could you close your mouth? Could you not speak? Mm. Um, uh, because people talk to cover up their their nervousness, mm. and um, but if they don't talk, they become morose.
0: That's right. Yeah,
1: and uh, sort of sullen looking, and oh, he looks so serious. Well, they are serious, or so, you know, mm. um, so it is a fine fine act, a fine uh, juggling act. Uh, well,
0: well, it is, isn't mm, it? Mm. And and I think that is one of the problems. And I think that's one of the problems with self portraits is mm. that whenever you do a, se- I find if you do a self portrait, you do look. Everyone says, oh, you look so sad. Just because well, you're serious. Exactly. Yeah. You're concentrating.
1: Yes. Look, I have done a few sort of what they call sort of idiotic self-portraits where I'm grinning or pulling it, and it is very hard work. Oh, yeah. And you have to keep on doing it. <laughs> um, That's right. But the other thing is because I work from life, uh, it's an ongoing thing, and you need to – if you're working from life, like uh, this is the one I've just finished, with uh, Susan Crennan, who's a retired high court judge. Mm-hmm. And we do talk a lot, but but it keeps – keeps the painting alive yeah uh, oh, but i different. do have to tell her to stop talking yeah. and she knows why to do a mouth
0: Well, you have to do the mouth that's because right
1: because if, if you're talking it activates all the muscles in your mouth ma- your face which are not happening when the mouth is closed
0: definitely so, yeah well also do you find that they have to be completely still so say to do the eyes yeah, yeah. do you need them to be still for that
1: oh yeah really still yeah and and, it's, and it and can be a bit unnerving for them because i have to go right up close and have a look really and almost like 6 inches away sometimes yeah um because i need to know what i'm seeing
0: yeah no definitely that's yeah, right because yeah. you can't you're right because for the eyes yeah. you can't see it from yeah, like 6 yeah. feet away yeah so you do have to get mm. up close, yeah. And
1: I'm always questioning, I, I, I'm always doubting myself the whole way through, all the time, and wondering, is that what I'm seeing? Is that what I'm seeing? Well, okay, if that's what I'm seeing, this is what I'm going to put on. So, yeah.
0: Really? So you do? So you question oh, always, yourself? Always,
1: always doubting, yeah.
0: Yeah, really? Mm. Even though you've done so many portraits, yeah. you still feel like yeah. that each time?
1: Absolutely. Isn't yeah. that amazing? It's the hardest thing. And with this picture of, of Sue Crennan, which is the second portrait I've done of her, um, I was so excited about the first sitting because doing, I'm doing this one for the Archibald that I, 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 was, I, could, I, I got sort of nothing done in the first sitting. In fact, I sort of botched it. And, uh, and I was like, oh, God, I can't do it. I can't do anything. I, I'm hopeless. And, and how am I going to finish it? And, oh, God, what if it looks like, what if I can't show her? And, you know, and all these things are going through my mind. Yeah. And I was speaking to Rick Amore about it. He said, oh, "Just, just don't worry. Just keep on going and you know, see how you go. You'll get it, you'll get it next time.
0: So do you, when you start, when you plan the, the, yeah. the portrait, do you have a finite? So you say to that person, I need seven sittings or whatever? I,
1: I... I usually say a minimum of five sittings of about two hours. And so what I do, once I've got them, I try and keep them a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Lock the door, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. But, I, you know, I am flexible. You have to be flexible, otherwise people just won't come. Sometimes people have to cancel, which is terrible. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um,
0: and, yeah. and do you go straight in with the paint?
1: Yeah, uh, charcoal first. Oh, okay. Yeah, charcoal.
0: So charcoal to get the, just, the just, shape? Just
1: some sort of a drawing, a very rough drawing, because, because I find that, that the oil paint just pushes the charcoal off, just pushes it away, or it, it mixes in sometimes, it's quite nice. Yep. By accident. You get a bit of grey. Yep. Hmm.
0: That's a beautiful painting. So with the pose, so when you decide mm. the pose, does the is it totally up to you or do you um, t- get some feedback from the sitter as well?
1: Well, w- well, for this one, with Susan Crennan, for example, the first one I did was a, a commission for the um, Victorian bar, which is the legal thing, right. in the city in William Street. So there's a gallery there and they have pictures going back, you know, before Bob Menzies and, you know, high court judges and things like that. Mm. And, but Susan had, she uh, was able to tell me what size she wanted and she said, I don't want my hands in it, for example. And, um, but, so there are certain constrictions when they're paying you. you know, they, I want it to be this size. It has mm-hmm. to be this size. To be, um, And you can say, oh, well, no, and then they'll say, well, bad luck. You don't, yeah. get, the, you don't get the commission. We'll get someone who will do it. Yeah. Um, but they weren't, they weren't bossy like that. And I was open to what they wanted. I mean, The thing was, I, I painted a smaller picture and I got the same fee. So, but this one, because it's for the Archibald, I've got much more style control yeah. on it and I wanted to do it my way. Um, so they, I, it was unfettered, you know, I, I could do it exactly how I wanted to.
0: Mm. Well, that's is that, that's slightly bigger than life size, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, that's about one
1: and a half size. Well, actually, it's close to twice life size.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. The
1: the rule of thumb is the rule of thumb. If you put, if I put my finger next to that finger, you'll find it's about. That's a woman's finger as well. Yeah. It's about twice the size.
0: Yeah, right. And do you find that? um, Do Do you feel more comfortable doing that size, or does it does it vary? Like it doesn't really. I feel
1: comfortable if it's going well. (laughs) (laughs) If I haven't fucked it up. um, No, I I do. I, I. I, not. In the past, I used to do life, life size or under, but I, since the one I did of Bernie Teague last last year, mm. I quite like the impact of just over life size. Um, it gives you a little bit of uh, a little bit of you know theatre or something. Just you know, it's I don't. I mean, the one I did of Alan was ridiculously large, but um, there's something about over life size. I don't mind. Right. Slightly over. Yeah. Mm.
0: And would you just use the same size brushes for that? Yeah, I use, yeah. I
1: use fairly small brushes, as it turns out. Yeah, right. The, the largest brush I'd use on that was about an inch, an inch wide chisel. Right. Not very wide at all. Not, not even that. Three quarters of an inch.
0: Yeah. Actually, one other th- another thing I wanted to talk to you about, your portraits, is the backgrounds. Yeah. Because even though they're, quite simple backgrounds usually yeah. there, there's a lot of texture and a lot of mm. you know uh feeling in them um do you do you have a certain approach to your backgrounds or
1: well it is a big part of the painting because of of, of the um of the surface area i mean you can't just throw it away you know if you know what i mean you mm. can't just fudge it mm. because it is a big part of the picture and it has to be complementary mm. so i want to control it to the point where I will, you know, it's like putting, like a photographer will put those coloured fabrics or tonal fabrics behind someone. Um, and I don't want to tell too much of a story in a painting. With a portrait, you, you know, you're, telling, you're always telling a story. This person is sitting down and this person is looking at me and I'm looking at this person. That's the story. Mm. Um, I don't want to insert symbolism. Uh, I, I try tried, I tried not to insert symbolism but there are stresses of certain features of the, of the person, which start to make a narrative. So I want to be as, as plain on that as possible. Um,
0: when you say that there are some aspects that that sort of suggest a narrative, what do you mean?
1: Well, even to the point of what jewellery she's wearing or or what clothing they're wearing, it's starting to say something. Is is talking about well, it's not really a narrative, but. What yeah, I said before so if, about th- this person is sitting down and I'm looking at them and I'm painting them in this way. Yeah. Uh, so that's enough narrative for me. I don't want to have symbols uh, like uh, paintings in the background with maybe significant or their mm. favourite flowers mm. or their cat <laughs> or their dog walking past, which is a, it happens a lot in portrait <laughs> commissions. Well,
0: I think a lot of people, they want to capture something about yeah. the person, they feel like they can do that by adding something yeah, of, right. their, of theirs, which sometimes does work. Yeah. Um, but I do think the simplicity is one of the great things about your portraits oh, in the you. background. You know, I really, I really mm. uh, love that. And um, also with, your, with lighting, is, mm. that a, is that something you have to really uh, yeah. deal with before you start?
1: Yeah, I really But what I try to now do is not be too adventurous with lighting because I know where portraits have worked here And if I start straying away from that, I can get myself into real troubles or Mm. or, or playing with electrical, um, um, artificial light. Um, So as it turns out, there's one part of the studio which is not too dramatic, not too dull, not too boring, Mm -hmm. but I can get what I can get. Because it's this feeling- With natural light? Yeah, with natural light dominating. and Because with portrait painting, it's so difficult, can be so difficult that you're desperately just trying to make it look all right. (laughs) Yeah. But what we want to make is desperately make it look really good. But in the formative stage is thinking, this is just not going really well at all, and you feel like an idiot. (laughs) 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 It's
0: so good hearing that from you, Lewis, because, I mean, if somebody like you can feel like an idiot when you're doing a portrait...
1: (laughs) Well, well, I was saying to Tom, uh, who's Tom Aldridge who's got the studio next door, I was saying... When the first sitting, it was about three hours sitting, and I was really sweating. But the sweating was not from uh, human acti- from physical activity. It was sweating from fear, from <laughs> failure, uh, and and desperation. Uh, so, but but eventually it turned. And as I said, you know, to other people, it's I'd much prefer the painting to look awful at the at the start than you know at the end.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: That's right. Uh,
0: well, have you ever got? Have you ever had a portrait where? You've just gotten to the end, and you just think, I still don't like it? Uh, uh,
1: not really, not really. no.
0: So you'll always resolve a problem yeah, if you find? Yeah, you have
1: to, you just have to resolve yeah. it. You have to resolve it. If the, if the sitter is bullying and controlling, they tend to not go, well, it's only happened once or twice that it hasn't happened, hasn't we've bailed. I bailed out.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. We just couldn't continue.
1: Yeah, well, the person was a bully. Right. Yeah, controlling.
0: Controlling the painting?
1: Controlling everything, trying to control everything. Yeah.
0: And another really interesting part of your career is when in 2003 uh, the Australian War Memorial Mm. appointed you as Australia's official artist Mm. um, in the uh, conflict in Iraq. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Yeah. um, I think uh, I was dobbed in by Rick Amore because he'd been in um, uh, East Timor Oh, yeah. And uh, my other friend, Peter Churcher, had been in Afghanistan twice because the first time he went, he didn't get off the boat. He had to go back to go on land. Um, So they rang up. The war memorial just rang up out of the blue and said, do you want to go to Iraq? And I said, well, yes. And they said, but we can... I said, do you mind if I talk to my family? Because my mother was still alive. Mm. So I rang up my mum and my mum said, oh, yes, I think your father would have liked that. I said, mum, it's a war zone. (laughs) And I said to mum you know, Mum, a couple of years ago I went to New York and you were very apprehensive about that. This is going to a war zone, Mum, and you said, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was funny. And my sister was against it and I think my younger brother Gavin was against it.
0: Why? For uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, danger, the danger? Yeah, I
1: said, look, I'm not going to get killed. Um,
0: Did you uh, feel as though you would be in danger?
1: No, no. I was, what I was worried about was feeling that I wasn't ever going to be spend the whole time away and not ever feel at once a little bit nervous. That's what I was afraid. I was worried about not being worried, if that makes any sense. Because this, when, you look, when I look back on it, and even when I was there, it was largely a propaganda exercise because of um, John Howard's uh, Australia with um, George Bush. But I thought, I'm not going to turn this job down because they won't ask again.
0: Mm. And it's, you know, it's
1: an honourable thing to, to, be, to, to be a war artist. Mm. Going back to Will Dyson, all sorts of people, Nora Heysen,
0: mm. um, George Lambert,
1: I, yeah, Lambert, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, of course, uh, um, Ivor Heel. But so I was not going to turn it down. I didn't want to be the guy that got pointed out. The street. he was offered to go to, the, to Iraq and turned it down, mm. um, even though I was against, like most people, I was against the conflict. Mm. And so I mean, I think probably a lot of the soldiers were against it, but that was their job. Yeah. So it was largely a propaganda exercise. And I was sort of told that they wanted me to concentrate on Australian troops doing their job, but I wasn't told that I had to, had to comment or not comment or not comment on my, on my feelings about it. So it was, it was really very interesting um, from start to finish, very frustrating because um, uh, I was dealing with the military all the time And the military, if if you've ever dealt with the military, it's all about briefings and not being in briefings and then being in briefings again and being told what to do.
0: So what did you end up drawing?
1: Uh, I did a lot of portraits and um, uh, I did some landscape with uh, watercolour because watercolour travelled really well and and because it was so hot, like really, like you know, 50 degrees. And if you're on a tarmac with the wind on the tarmac and noise and heat, real heat... And you've got to, if i am got my stuff, I've got to put my foot on it so it doesn't get sucked in the back of an engine or something like that.
0: <laughs> what, you're sitting on the runway?
1: Well, I'm just in a chair like this. You have to buy your own chair. And I've got my watercolours and it's like 55 degrees. And people think, thinking, what's this dickhead doing here? What, what, are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's like that, you know. But um, when we get somewhere, and it was usually this American would say, look, you can paint that, you can not paint that, and you can not paint that. So the first thing I do is paint. The first thing he said, because he was just trying to be you know, trying to bully us, like, oh, there's this water tower, you know, in, in, in this camp in Qatar, and that, he said you can't paint that. Oh, I drew that, painted it. what, what <laughs> am I going to like fax it to the enemy? <laughs> 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 um,
0: uh, so what happens with those paintings and drawings? Do they, they go they belong to, the to you? Yeah, that's oh, right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so we
0: could go and see them yeah, if we go to yeah, the Yeah, there's one painting memorial.
1: there, um, but there's and there's oh, a couple of paintings, and most of them are in boxes. Yeah.
0: Um So apart from your portraits mm. you also do absolutely um divine oh, still lifes. I just love them. I mean, mm. I remember going a couple of years ago to a show of yours in Sydney at Australian mm. Galleries mm. and standing in front of this painting with sardines in it That's and right, just yeah. the, just I I love the way those sort of iridescent sort mm. of scales yeah. just reflect all the color. Um is that something that attracts you? I mean, I can I see that in lately you've got you know you using oyster mm-hmm. shells and things like mm-hmm. that, which have got that mother of pearl. Mm-hmm. Is that something mm-hmm. that it appeals to you? Or?
1: Really does, and uh, because of the of the um, the fleeting nature of the pearlescence and the or the and the fact that there's no two oyster shells that really look exactly the same. I like mm-hmm. the, the misshapenness of them, and um, I mean, like a, a lemon usually looks like a lemon until you cut it. Orange looks like an orange. Um, but and apples you can't really do apples because they they belong to Suzanne in a way. <laughs> you can try, but you know they're, they're really they're really his, aren't they? Like sunflowers are Van Gogh's. And, and if you do sunflowers, like oh, he's doing Van Gogh. So <laughs>
0: well, that's you're probably right. Yeah, you can't yeah, really do it, can't. can you? And it's like yeah. doing
1: ballet dance. Oh, he's trying to be digger. You can and you can't be Degas because Degas is the greatest artist in history. You know, so <laughs> it's just you, you're doomed to fail. Not, and I suppose you're doomed to fail with with anything, but because like the Dutch used oysters and lobsters and fruit and meat and game and all sorts of things because they were showing off how good they were at all different surfaces and
0: things mm. like that
1: and mm. things out of season and all that. But uh, I, like, I like fish and oysters because the, they, they tend to lend themselves to the medium of oil paint, the slipperiness and the luster and, um, and the, yeah, the, the colours are never clear, clearly cut.
0: Actually, one of the, another painting that I really liked in your recent show, which was only a few weeks ago yeah. here in Melbourne, yeah. was called Pomegranate, Lemon and Oyster Shell, yeah. which, which was also with those beautiful um, colours. Mm. With, the co- with the colour, yeah. do you, is there an element of, of, of your imagination coming into that or are you actually no. seeing, you're always seeing those yeah, colours?
1: Yeah, it's, it's all look and put. When I, everything I do is look and then put it, Have, try, and, try and make that colour. Make a decision about that color, put it down, and see what it looks like
0: and and is it wet on wet yeah usually You're very it... very
1: much wet on wet. Um, I prefer working wet on wet because the paint tends to be attracted to the paint rather than just going on top of it it 's almost like an adhesion and and pushing wet paint into wet paint, you get unexpected things oh. like it's like i I, I like to i don 't like to really know one hundred percent of all the time, although just like um was the word when I contradicted myself because when I put paint on the brush I don't like it to be just one color I like it to be maybe a bit of something else and to be to, to be a bit accidental uh-huh. not like to be too clean I like seeing what happens when it mixes on the surface but uh, even though I'm not really blending but so we
0: would dip the brush into a color and then maybe the edge of the brush into another color
1: Yeah maybe yeah because on the, the secondary palette on the on the, on the palette is is not always pure color, it's always slightly mixed. Um, and I'm working fairly rapidly, so accidents happen. And you, you, you want accidents to happen, um, but with control, I suppose. Mm. It goes back to what Francis Bacon was going on about, the controlled accident. And um, so, yeah, allowing, allowing accidents to happen. Um, and that can even happen in a in still life. Yeah, but um, so like with those pomegranates, when I open them, I don't cut them open. I pull them open. I, I make an incision and pull them open. So it's always they always look different. They always look, yeah. they always look slightly they're unexpected. Yeah, and, um, and with the when the pith of the pomegranate sort of oxidizes, it change, the colour gets more and more intense. Depends on what sort of pomegranate you got as well. Oh,
0: right. Well, those pomegranates mm. they look they look like jewels.
1: Yeah. You know? Well, they are they are, and, and they lend themselves. To to oil paint. I mean, um, and of course they they were the, one of the mainstays of those Dutch um, Dutch still life painters. They would just about always have a pomegranate, and maybe with a little the lid open a little bit, exposing the you know the the, the little pips.
0: And would you go? Would you um, build it up from sort of getting the form, and then build up to the highlights? Like no, sort of-
1: it's all one. It's just straight away. It's just it's quite. Well, I say direct. It just comes up, everything comes up at the same time.
0: Do you use any mediums? No. So just straight oil paint? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I remember being in the art supply shop uh, about a couple of years ago, and a person came in and said to the owner, have you got something that makes the paint really thick? I said, oh, I don't think so. You know, I said, what do you mean? Oh, it makes it really, really thick. And I said, have you thought about using paint?
0: (laughs) No, but you know what I think they mean, (laughs) because I've had that feeling. They have the the paint they've used from the tube. It's the it's it's got too much oil in it.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So they don't realise that they've got to just let either yeah. blot it. So yeah, that that's right. Less you, oil in you it. You could do
1: that. You can put it on a piece of um, um, you know, k- kitchen paper. Just take the the. It depends. You know, Lafranc was a bit oily for a while, but um, you know, with Winsor and Newtons, all right, good quality paint. Is, just comes out and it's good.
0: And do you just use different um brands? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I would use if I could afford. I know it's a silly thing to say. I would just use, use maybe um, Old Holland, but it's so expensive. Mm. Uh, so I just, I just use what I can afford at the time, the best, the best paints I, I can afford. Sometimes I treat myself to a tube of Old Holland, as we were talking about before. I use all sorts of colours. Yeah. Some, some of them no good. You know,
0: what would be no good about it?
1: What uh, the, the pigments fu- is? Fugitive pigment or, um, or too oily, as you are saying before, um, or just no power in it or too many extenders and fillers in it, yeah. or you just don't like the colour. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah.
0: dry. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Mm. Or
1: dries too quick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's just trial and error, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, It's amazing that, you know, even now you probably come across paints that you're yeah. experimenting with, yeah. you know, over many years. Yeah. Um, now, you're not on Instagram. You're no. not on Facebook. No. You're not on Twitter. No. Do you feel any pressure to be on any of those... On the social media?
1: Not at all. <laughs> just, I mean, it's bad enough having email, <laughs> and and so it's all, and, it's, and it's bad enough having a mobile phone. That's that's. Well, and, and I, I not I'm sorry, phone. that
0: phone that you've got. I don't think you can call it a mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> is it a Nokia? Yes, I don't know. It but is. <laughs> but I
1: suppose you can turn them off. That's the good thing about them. Yeah. You can turn them off.
0: So, do you feel it's intrusive, like all that stuff?
1: Um. I don't feel the need to tell people what I'm doing, and I don't want to know what other people are doing. Uh, you know, I'd much rather read a book. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just, I suppose I'm uh, of an, an era that, I mean, it's I'm just not interested in telling everyone what I'm what I'm doing all the time.
0: Yeah, and what about having you work online? How do you feel about that?
1: Not that keen on it. I'd, I'd much prefer that people would come to the gallery, yeah. it was a look at it, to, to the gallery that represents my work.
0: Yeah.
1: I think that's enough for me.
0: It's been such a shift in the yeah. last 10 years, isn't it?
1: I find it a bit sort of appalling that I, I, I'm quite, quite shocked that people would have their own websites. And and I just find it, I sort of cringe a bit, that people would, would sort of talk so glowingly about their own work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Well, you know what? I remember... Feeling like that mm. when it's the internet started mm. off, and mm. it just seems to have been a shift. Mm. I think, yeah. but but I, I know what you mean. I
1: guess that's a, that American positivity about you know about everything. But um, I, I I just I can't imagine why you would do it. <laughs> there, well, these days, I suppose everyone wants to be sort of famous and everything all the time, and um, and wants to get their stuff out everywhere, but. I'm so sort of uh, doubtful about my work that I think, well, I might like it today, but if I put it online and think, oh, it's there now, oh, I wish I could take that down. But I suppose you can't take them down once they're up there, can you?
0: Not really. No. It, is a, it is a funny thing, isn't it? And also, but, the, but the, on the positive side of things is that your work gets seen.
1: Mm, mm.
0: But, um, but
1: do people come to the gallery anymore they just skip through the images online? Yeah. I think there's a lot of that going on. But I'm, I'm, much more, I, I, I'm much more keen about destroying my work and keeping, keeping the good stuff around rather than letting stuff get out mm. and then seeing it and, and wincing at these things which, I don't, which don't exist anymore, that I, that I don't feel confident about, that I, I haven't liked. Um, so um, And I know these days that people, they, they, they do their invitations by Facebook and things like that. Um, I mean, that's. I don't care, you know. They want to do that. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I'm not attracted to it at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really. No, I can. I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. And also, another thing I like asking my guests mm. is, how do they get into the zone of painting? Like, how do you get into that state where you where you create you're creating yeah. and get the flow going?
1: I think uh, try to have a good sleep. Or if, like, for example, if I'm doing a portrait – starting a portrait or working with a figure. You don't want to be tired or hungover or sick or um, you, don't want to have, you don't want to have too much coffee, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, um,
0: uh, what about music?
1: Oh, sometimes I play music. Uh, it depends on who the, who the person is. If I'm doing still life, I usually play a certain piece of music that I like at the time because that can really disrupt your, your um, flow, I guess. Um, Make sure you're not going to have any interruptions. Turn the mobile phone off, <laughs> uh, um, and just try to make everything as positive as it has a, the same as it was in the past when it has worked, has it possibly worked.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you for your time today, Lewis. Thank you, Maria. It's been a pleasure to meet you, uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing your your work.
1: And thank you, Maria, for having me on your show. I've enjoyed it.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. Lewis's work was exhibited recently with Australian Galleries in Melbourne and his next solo show is coming up in Brisbane, Queensland with Heiser Gallery and I'll be posting details of that show when they become available. I've also made a short video where Lewis talks with me in his studio and so um, just go to the Talking With Painters YouTube channel to check that out uh, just go to youtube and search talking with painters and the playlist will come up you can also follow talking with painters on instagram facebook and twitter and thanks to all of you who've been commenting on social media it's great to hear from you and thanks to those of you who have put a review and rating on itunes and facebook it all helps to get the word out about the show Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters.
1: If I'm here, something gets done. Even if I have no idea of what I'm if, if there's no painting started, if the painting's just finished, um, I'll be in here. But something will happen. I will do I will finish something or I'll start a little drawing. Or I might not do anything and just read uh, or listen to music but eventually something will happen.